We are moving into the summer months and we're going to be thinking about uh, some things that are on, on uh, my heart as we move into Hong Kong, as we move out of Ephesians, and we're going to be moving into the book of uh, Acts. Uh, what you shared this morning, Garland, from Psalm 25 fits right in, and what Julie, you shared fits right in, is of God showing us himself in ways, in a very personal way, uh, what he's trying to teach each and every one of us individually. And so this all fits in, I mean, it's just the way God brings things together. And so today we want to talk about one thing in particular that I'll end with, and I'll tell you up front what it is. It's, it's I'm interested in your personal experience with Jesus Christ. I'm interested in seeing Jesus Christ become more real to you just like in this experience that Julie had. But it's not just a belief system. It's an agreement that you're going to keep in step with Jesus Christ all the days of your life. And he's doing something radically different in you. Paul said, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect until the day of Christ Jesus. How that takes place is what we want to get into today on one particular issue. And we're going to be talking about the devotional life. And so we'll end the message with uh, if you have a devotional time, a quiet time with God. But before we get to that point, I want to put it in the context to think about this is a distinctive that you're invited to have. It's not for everybody in the world because uh, God isn't... Uh, God is trying to redeem everybody, but not everybody is trying to worship or follow Christ. But it is for those who are called by Christ a distinctive for you. And so when when Jesus talks about um, at the before he rose, he left the great com- the great commission. You know about this passage. It's a very famous passage. I call it the GC Great Commission. Do you know there are three GCs? Hmm. Good. Pay attention. Jesus came up and he spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. What is on God's heart is first of all that men and women of all nations are to be disciples. Whatever the disciple is, he wants them in every corner of the world. But he wants them to go and be involved in a personal relationship with Christ so that Christ would be Lord and Savior, Master, Teacher. That in baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, not to know, not to be familiar with, but to follow and observe and live out that life so that they would know that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God wants you to be a disciple. God wants you to be a learner. And therefore, Christianity begins with these two words, follow me. And so in Jerusalem, in Israel, when when Jesus called those disciples, it was a relational call. Stay with me. Keep in step with me. Come with me. And I will make and I will send you out to the fish to fish for people. And then once they left their nets and they followed him. So this is the distinctive that the disciples, the disciples not only were involved in a personal way, but they had a mission from the master that they would be involved with people, telling people what the master had taught them. 
It's called the Great Commission. And the Great Commission, first GC, leads to the second GC, which is the Great Community. So this community of disciples being brought together, we call it the church, universal, and therefore everyone in the church has had some personal relationship, encounter, growth, whether it's Julie or from uh, experience or other experiences, your story matters to God. And it matters as you become the torch of grace, the container of his testimony of what God can do in the human heart that has walked away from him. He's bringing you back. And therefore, as you grow in Christ, you begin to realize that you no longer are separate from God. You're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens. The person to the right and the person to the left of you have access to the throne of grace and the treasures of heaven. For, for Paul said that we are all are blessed in the heavenly places with every spiritual blessing. The problem is some of you know that and some of you don't. Some of you have some blessings and some of you don't know about the other blessings. But we all as a community in Christ Jesus, we are brought together as a building and we're, we're building each other up in a community of discipleship. And therefore, keep in mind, Christian, keep in mind as an American Christian, Christianity is not a silo affair. It's not you and Jesus. And sometimes you get that emphasis when we sing the songs like, My Jesus, my Savior, it's me, 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 me. And we can become so myopic and narrow-minded that we don't think that we're a part of a community. We don't think that what God is teaching me <clears throat> is the end point that could be really used for somebody else's encouragement. And therefore, to learn about the great community, you understand that first in the New Testament, if you follow this, is that <clears throat> this community, <clears throat> as they grew brought people like Barnabas and Paul in, and as they began to share about the grace of God. And the community learns how to observe and to demonstrate the grace of God. Uh, as Barnabas was taught them, that, uh, that it is the grace of God that enabled these disciples to remain true to abide in the very word of the Lord. And so at the growth of the first century church, that great community were called disciples first. Now that's key because in Acts it says the disciples were called the disciples were called Christians. Discipleship, disciple, the function of following Christ was first. Christianity came later. And so when Christianity started in Israel, follow me, it moved to Greece and became a philosophy moved to Rome and became an institution of the church. Rome, and then moved to Europe and became a culture. And it came to America and became an enterprise. But we got to go back to those two words, follow me. And following me means that you are under a master. And Jesus said, no student is above his teacher, but every teacher after, every student after he's been fully trained will be like his master. Luke 6.40. And therefore... 
there was an understanding that every disciple would be in step with Christ and Christ would walk with his men. For three years, Jesus personally invested in individuals. And so, you know the passage in John 13, right before the Passover, it says this little phrase, if you haven't caught this phrase in your reading, John 13, 1, it says, having loved his own, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He lo- Those men knew Jesus loved them. And a disciple will know the heart of God rings true with your heart. And so if you're doing, if Christ is doing this, your heart should be resonating. You, a disciple is like the master. And the master loves well, deep. And therefore, those men were devoted to Christ. They loved Jesus. Peter, when Jesus was saying, I'm going to be crucified, Peter, Peter said, well, wait a minute. Jesus, I'm going to go with you. I, I, I'll follow you. And Jesus says, no, Peter. No, you don't understand. I'll lay down my life for you. And you see, what motivated Peter was not only his ego and his pride, But underneath that, there was a real desire to be with Jesus. Peter loved Jesus. Peter followed Jesus. And so was Thomas. Thomas almost had a clinical breakdown when he couldn't find Christ after the resurrection. Peter was so depressed. He had lost his best friend. Thomas loved Jesus. And Jesus met Thomas and and he said, Thomas, touch, touch, reach, no. That was a very personalized experience for Thomas. And so he called in, in Matthew 10. Jesus was always teaching his disciples, you're going you're to be involved with people. You're going to be involved with showing as a great community. You're going to be touching people. And you notice that the 12 disciples, when in Matthew 10, notice this little change in the text. In Matthew 10, it says, Jesus called his 12 disciples. And then it says he sent them out. He gave them authority to drive out the impure spirits and to heal every disease. But notice the next passage. The next verse, next verse it says, these are the names of the 12 apostles. The disciples now were apostles. He didn't say that these are the name of the 12 disciples. These were the men that knew Jesus and followed Jesus and says, I'm going to use you and you're going to touch other people. And that disciple, distinctive, they knew and they went out. One in particular, John, the beloved disciple. He wrote more about people loving people because John had learned from Jesus that Jesus heals. Jesus gets involved. Jesus pursues people. Jesus is intimately involved in all of our ways. And it was John. John says, if I go, Jesus said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Where I am, you will be. And you know the way. You know the You know the way. I am the way, the truth. John knew that. John knew that. You see, the master spends time with his disciples. 
Mark 3.13. If you ever see this passage, underline this little passage. It's a great little passage. Jesus went up to a mountainside and he called to himself those he wanted. Have you ever thought about that? We say it this way, God loves me. Yeah, I know that. God wants you. God longs for you. God desires more than anything else as you would want to spend time with your family. The passionate heart of God wants to meet with you. That's your distinctive. And therefore, when Jesus would, would be with his men, it wasn't just to teach them the Great Commission and the great community. He was trying to teach them something else. It's called the Great Commandment. And he says, No longer do I call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. But I want you to be my friends. And in that friendship, in that relationship, you will know that I love you, that you are my disciples. And that's what John picked up. John is the one who said that Jesus told us, didn't he, guys? That a new commandment that he gave us. He didn't just give us a commandment. He gave us his very heart. That we were to love as Jesus loved. And if you do that, you are my disciples. If you love one another... And therefore, those true disciples understood the true heart of the master himself. And therefore, this is the distinctive of the disciple. The great commission, the great community, and the great commandment. Three GCs. You love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. You love people with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And you love the world. Wherever God sends you out, you go. And therefore... This devotion, this heart, this calling that each of you have, that we as a corporate body enjoy, is meant that we are privileged, peculiar people who have the advantage of having God move into our personal spheres and teach us. For this reason, Paul says, since the day we heard about it, about you, we have not uh, stopped praying for you, continually asking God that he would give you the knowledge of his will. Caitlin, that's what we prayed for you. That God would give you the knowledge of his will for your life. That through the wisdom and the understanding that the Spirit gives. God gives you wisdom. God gives you His Spirit. God will give, that's our distinctive as Christians. And yet, and yet, Canon Holmes of India, missionary, more than 25 years ago, called attention to the average person's experience of faith. Because most people, when you talk about faith in Christ, they wouldn't talk about it the way the disciples would talk about it. They would have the belief systems. If you asked them a question, they would give you the right answer. But there's just something missing. Because for most people, God is an inference. God is an answer. God is the spare tire in the trunk. If you have a flat tire in an accident, if you need surgery, you call upon God. But most of people live their lives as practical atheists until they realize that, oh, 
Maybe I should call upon God. For the life of me, I don't know how the Lord puts up with this, but he's the last one we turn to. For so many people, they don't walk as disciples. They walk as cultural Christians with a myopic view. God is life. And in that life, he imparts to his disciples. But there are many notions about God, many concepts about God. But those who spend time alone with God begin to think, how do you, how do you grow in this relationship? All this means is that there's something inside you that will resonate if God calls. There's something inside you in your spirit that will respond if you hear the voice of God. And of course, that's true. For us, we understand that the Bible, it just assumes the fact that you understand this, how this communication works. That men and women can know God in an experiential way through the gospel of Christ, opening the door to not just a salvation experience, but to a life of salvation, a growth in this intimacy with God. The Bible tells us very clearly, taste and see that the Lord is good. Enjoy eating at his table. Enjoy being with him. Psalm 34, 8. Psalm 45. All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia. Out of the ivory places, the beauty of the Lord, when you step into his presence, and David said, there's one thing I seek, is the beauty of the Lord. In the midst of battle he was. John said it this way. My sheep hear my voice. They hear God calling them by name. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matthew 5, 8. Well, all of these things mean that there's something inside of us that God has put in our spiritual organs, however they receive the invitation to hear or know God, but it's his spirit that comes in in all that we do. For Paul said, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit from God that we might know the gifts freely given to us by God. Don't take that for granted. We, we see things sent through our senses. We see, we see God through our spiritual senses if we obey and follow the Spirit. But that saving work must be done in the heart. And where and when is it done? Well, this is what I'm going to conclude with. It means that you spend time with God. All relationships are the function of one major word, time. And how much time you spend with people depends upon the, the knowledge of intimacy that you have in your friendship. Little time, little friendship. More time, more friendship. And that's what the disciples did. They spent time with them. So you may hear this called as a quiet time or devotional time, devotional life. I call it a tog time. You tog to God. Time alone with God. And so you say, do you have a tog time? And, and so what it means, and this is what I want you to understand, the talk time, the, the, the thing that we do is we get along with God, just as Jesus did in the early in the morning while it was still dark. Mark says that Jesus went away by himself to a lonely place. Why did Jesus do that early in the morning? Well, I got a busy day today. 
No, he didn't do that. He didn't call upon God because he had need for healing power. No. Jesus loved God. Period. And that's what he wants you to do. That the way Jesus relates to God the Father is the same way he's going to teach you to relate to God the Father. To enjoy him. To rest in him. To learn from him. And therefore, as Jesus went away to a quiet place, it was quiet so he could hear the voice of his Father. He did it on a regular basis. And therefore, this quiet time in our world is so busy. We don't have time to be quiet. And therefore, I may ask you, I don't know if this is a regular pattern for you to have a happy uh, time, a quiet time, a private time with God. But the secret of a happy life is giving God the first part of every day. The first priority, every decision, is to have put Christ first in your heart. Now let me, let me ask you this. Do you have talk times? On your weekly basis, do you spend time alone with God in a devotional way? Many people, ah, I used to, I don't know. So it's easy in our society to misunderstand and not get close and just kind of go along with the flow. You're missing the experience of walking with God. So by a, by a private time, I remember, I remember when I was in college, uh, when I became a Christian, right after I became a Christian, a guy named Paul came up to me and said, what are you doing at 7 o'clock in the morning, Monday morning? And I said, Paul, I'm, I'm sleeping. He says, well, I want to teach you how to have a quiet time. I said, Paul, I'm already quiet. He said, no, I don't mean that. I says, it's a time where you meet with God. At 7 o'clock in the morning? Can God wait? I said, no, no. He said, there's something I want to teach you, Jerry. It's about a spiritual discipline. The disciplines of Christ aren't things that change us. The disciplines of prayer won't change you. The disciplines of a quiet time won't change you. But what disciplines, spiritual disciplines do is they place you before Christ. And in Christ, it gives Christ's Spirit the opportunity to meet with you. To change. Prayer doesn't change you. But prayer is an opportunity for you to connect with the Father. And in that connection, God's Spirit comes through to transform your life. Well, let me give you some tips to have a quiet time. First of all, you have to want to be with Jesus Christ, period. If you're not doing that, you're going to have a weakened faith. You won't have much to say. You'll be passive and Christ's spirit will be quenched because you're not there to listen. A quiet time, a regular time to keep in step with God means that one, you have a place. I don't know where your place is where you meet with God. If you have a designated place, a, a, a particular chair in the living room, uh, you may be at your desk, it may be in the back porch. But in the morning when you get up, I get a cup of coffee and I usually start my day with a cup of coffee in the Bible before I do anything. And it only takes seven minutes, 15 minutes at the beginning. And then you learn to spend more time. But you have a regular time. And if you're not planning to do that every morning, those who don't plan uh, will fail because they plan, fail to plan. 
But to have a regular time and a regular place and a regular chair, that, you know, this is the place I'm going to meet with God. So I don't know where you do that. If it's in the morning, when David would say, uh, God, show me in the morning your loving kindness. Before everything starts, you need to get oriented and hear God's voice. Next, you need to have a, a plan for your passage reading. And what I would encourage you to do is have a plan to take a book and do a chap- at least a chapter a day. And so you have a place you know for the next month, if you go into the book of John, you get 21 chapters. Three, 21 chapters, that will get you through the month. But take a chapter a day. And not read it once, not read it twice, read it three times. And let the Word speak to you. And then you speak to God what's in the Word back. You talk with God as God talks with you. And tell Him what you think about what He's saying in His Word. It's a conversation. It's a time where you can learn as you listen, as you move into prayer, you say, I don't understand this, Lord. I'm struggling with this, Lord. But there are things in this passage that God reserved in the Bible that he wants you to know. So prepare a passage and prepare as you go in to read, not just to read it, be prepared that God would speak to you in the passage. For this way, the Spirit of God will open up the Word to you and you want to ask God to teach you, to help you learn these things. Not just to have a quiet time and check it off, but to say, God, I want to follow you. Disciple me here in this passage. So you focus on learning. A quick thing of prayer is, is the ACTS little model, ACTS or CATS, if you want to put the C in the front. But all of these are little acronyms that say that you go into, into prayer with an adoration. God, your ways are higher than mine. God, you are beautiful. God, your holiness. God, your righteousness. And adoration is the worship of praise where you focus on the character, the nature of who God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are. And you you tell him what you like about, what you are stunned with, his goodness, his grace, his patience, his kindness, his mercy, on and on and on. A is adoration. C is confession. Now, confession, again, is God-centered. Because confession is saying, God, you're like this and I'm not. But it's always saying, God, I have not only sinned against you, but I've been separated and I don't think like you. And therefore, I confess what you say is true. Confession means, confession means saying the same thing. Profess to say confess to say with. So what God says to you in the word, you say, I agree with that. I confess that you're right. I agree with you. A-C-T. Thank you. Thanksgiving. God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. The gratitude should pour out because all that God has done for us. And therefore, as we thank, we're thankful for good things and for hard things. But it comes to this point of saying, I, 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 I can't do it without you. And there comes the S, the supply, the supplication. God, would you provide me with a spirit of grace today? Would you give me an increase of faith? And as you you do those, you end that quiet time in a short amount of time in the morning, and then you prepare to commit your day to the Lord and, and ask God to walk with you in that. 
as you do that, you see what God is showing you day by day, consistently over a period of time. Don't rush it. It's not there to check off your list. You're spending time with your friend. And then you bring that back into the body of Christ, and you can share in the community of faith what God's teaching you. These are your distinctives. The Great Commission, go therefore and teach what you're learning so that other people can learn. Do it in a body with a community so that you learn how to other people share. But the primary thing is you've learned that God wants you and loves you and wants you to reflect that to other people around. Three GCs. That's your distinctive. So this week, I would invite you to seek Christ, serve Christ, but learn to be his disciples. Let's pray. Father, you make us know your ways. Teach us your path. Lead us in your truth and teach us, disciple us. For you are the God of our salvation. And for you we wait all the day long. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.